0: A recap of the New York Jets' free agency. Look ahead to the draft preview as we look at the depth chart with a seven-round mock and why Zach Wilson is the correct choice over Justin Fields and the new Carolina Panther, Sam Darnold. (laughs) Sable Radio back after a brief hibernation, and we haven't even discussed free agency The Darnold trade, none of it. If you're a frequent reader of JetsXFactor.com, you've seen some of my thoughts. We'll talk about a little bit of those today, and we'll also get into a seven-round mock and what the Jets depth chart will look like after the draft. See, everyone's seen a million mocks. Everyone's seen the depth chart, how it looks right now. A lot of negative comments. Doesn't look impressive on paper, and why would it? It's a two and fourteen team. No quarterback play. No coaching. It doesn't look good, but sometimes that could be deceiving because depending on the quarterback, depending on the coaching, production development ceilings get raised. So we'll get into that a little bit too. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you see in the bottom of the screen the mailbag email, Robbie with a Y. And for those who spell it, I-E, you know, I'm not one of those people who gets mad at uh, alternate spellings of his name. You can call me Rob, Bob, Bob, it doesn't freaking matter. You know, my parents named me Robert. Call me Robert. Quite honestly, most people call me by Sabo anyway. Doesn't matter. But the email is Robbie, R-O-B-B-Y, dot, S-A-B-O, at JetsXFactor.com. Send over questions. We'll start getting into mailbag stuff. First name. yeah. I mean, if you send me the full name, go ahead. Um, but whatever you want on the podcast, aired, you let me know in email any question you want and we'll take them randomly each podcast to get sort of a conversation going because to be honest, hosting the show, it's it would be much better live taking calls on the fly, getting into it with fans. Time restrictions make it tough on me, but the good news is mailbag can help out the recorded podcast and Me, Nania, and Blewett are going to start doing some live streams. You've seen Blewett and Kyle Smith on Blewett's Blitz. Get into it on their live streams. Me, Nania, Blewett will get into it. Try to do a show or two a month live stream with calls. All that good stuff. And the first one's going to happen this Wednesday. So whether you're listening to this podcast Saturday night or Sunday, final round of the Masters, in... Four or three days. I don't know why I led with the longer number. Three or four days live stream. So mailbag, and you also see the live number on that graphic at the bottom. Obviously, we're not live right now. Use that number anytime JetX goes live, whether it's Blue, it's Blitz, whether it's the new show we're going to do, whether it's Cool Your Jets, although I don't think Cool Your Jets have done too many live shows, if any. Um, but jetsxfactor.com free agency. How can you not like what Joe Douglas did? Initially, a lot of fans didn't like the route he was taken. Didn't like the appearance that he wasn't spending a lot of money, but it's just not true. Douglas spent money. And in fact, he spent more money than I thought he would. He spent more money than a lot of people thought he would based on his first free agency with the team. Uh, People feared Idzik, Idzik-like caution. You know, Douglas, he he knows the salary cap. He's a scout at heart, but he's really rigid in terms of the financial aspect, the financial end of things. He understands the salary cap. He understands value. So people didn't know how far he'd push it. I'm not a huge free agency fan. I think it's the icing to the cake, the sprinkles to the cake even. You can never build an NFL team based on free agency. That's the NBA. It just doesn't work in football. The, the lifeblood of every organization is the draft. Nevertheless, Douglas was smart and spent money. Looking at the screen here for the video people, YouTube, Jets are right now seventh in total money spent. 12 players, $122 million over at SpotTrack.com. Guaranteed money, however, number three. And this is the really important column, the guaranteed money. $82 dollars so $82.9 million trailing only the Jags, eighty-four point nine. And the Pats, one hundred fifty-five point two million. Pats, two hundred and what is that? Eighty-two. I need new glasses. I can't even see the screen. Two hundred eighty-two point three million. Belichick has lost his mind. It's desperation. It's not smart. Don't listen to anyone who tells you it's smart. It's not. And don't let anyone tell you that they've done this before, because they haven't. I saw well, Scott Pioli hop on ESPN a few weeks ago. During free agency and try to tell the world that this is the Pat's MO, that they spend money. They did it. They signed a lot of veterans before their first Super Bowl in 2001. And while that's true, they have never spent money like this. This is outrageous. Their total free agent spending rankings compared to the league since 2011, the first year of the rookie wage scale, the first year where the CBA changed and really changed the league. A lot cheaper contracts, maneuverability with these quarterbacks, as you've seen recently. 2011, they finished 24th, 2012, 15th, 8th, 15th, 24th, 23rd, 14th, 24th, 14th, 27th last year. And they are overwhelmingly first this year. Our highest finish was 8th in 2013 over the last 10 years. Total guaranteed spending since 2011, tied for 32nd, dead last in 2011, 17th, 5th, 16th, 24th, 22nd, 8th, 25th, 13th, and 30th last year. Again, this is desperation. There's no other way to put it. Will they be better next year? For sure. Will they be better in the long run in terms of building... uh, We can call it building, I guess, but in terms of producing a consistent winner, no, this is not the strategy to do, to use, to go the route to take. You have to draft well, and Belichick has not done so. Doing this kind of signals to me that Belichick is, you know, he's too stubborn to be on his way out. In his mind, he has to win a Super Bowl without Brady before he calls it quits. But maybe frustration has gotten to him early. And maybe he's throwing his hands up in a mini sort of way and saying, let's go, let's attack it. If it burns me, it burns me. Then I'll address my options later after it burns me. If it doesn't and it works out great, but don't let anyone fool you. This is desperation with Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. but jets third guaranteed third and third and guaranteed money. Seventh overall in total value who they signed, I wanted Curtis Samuel. I want wanted the Jets to get that jet motion guy. They haven't had that guy, that all-purpose receiver who could take a take a handoff, assume jet motion duties, and really be that dual-threat guy. Jamison Crowder, for as good he is as he is in the slot, isn't that guy? Barrios is the closest thing to they ha- that they have to having that guy, but. You don't want Barrios in that role. You want him being the backup to that role. So they went Corey Davis, and I understand it from a number one receiver perspective. Corey Davis fits the bill as opposed to Samuel. But don't don't forget Samuel and Crowder could have coexisted. You look at the Chiefs; they had a lot of little guys, a lot of guys with hips, a lot of short guys, hard men. Um, and Tyreek Hill playing at the same time. These guys are shifty. It's a different league where you don't need big receivers anymore. I mean, you want one, you got to have one at least, but it doesn't have to be both big receivers on the sideline. Anyway, they went with Corey Davis. I can't complain. By all indication, he's a hard worker. He's a good blocker, which I love. He does the little things. And... Opposite Mims with Crowder in the slot. That'll certainly work. They got Berrios, Vincent Smith for depth. They'll have to find that jet motion, all-purpose guy. People call it a gadget guy, but I hate calling it a gadget guy. It's so much more important than just a gadget guy in today's league. It's a new game. Corey Davis. Carl Lawson. And the fact that Douglas landed Lawson is a shock beyond all shocks. Not that Douglas got him, but that Lawson actually became available. Every year, edge rushers come into the offseason on the open market, and it looks like there's a big list, and then the franchise tags start coming. Boom, 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 tag, tag, tag. This year was different. There were some guys available. Hendrickson, Lawson, no Barrett, but the Jets got Lawson. 15 million a year on average got him at a pretty decent bargain in my mind as well. So it's a great signing line him up on one edge on the other side. You got John Franklin Myers, JFM who is kind of a tweener in this defense. He could play inside. He could play outside. Salah loves big edges. Lawson isn't overly big. He's more of a power rusher for sure. Uh, but Having JFM 280 plus pounds, probably more like 290 on the other edge is going to be a big deal. They got Vinnie Curry. Great signing because when you put Vinnie Curry in sub package opposite Lawson, JFM could kick to the inside. So when sub packages, you got JFM and and Williams on the inside with Lawson and Curry on the outside. Don't forget about Sheldon Rankins, another interior guy. Rankins, Quinnen, or JFM, Quinnen. Curry or JFM on the outside with Lawson on the other side. It's a tremendous job putting together this four-man rush and four-man front for a Robert Salad defense that really relies on the four-man rush. Very little blitzing. He Yes, he upped the blitzes last year with all the injuries, but his regular scheme in a perfect scenario doesn't blitz much. So Douglas, the way he's rebuilt this front seven and in the mock draft we do later, there's going to be help coming, is a phenomenal thing in my mind. He said it on day one. It starts with the trenches and the quarterback, both lines and the quarterback. And he got Becton, tried to patch things with McGovern and Van Rotten and Fant. They were better than the numbers indicate last year. Still not where they need to be. And Becton's got to stay healthy, but this defensive line, this pass rush, it's a hell of a job by Douglas. Elsewhere, Justin Hardy, I love that signing, special teamer. You need those guys. Keelan Cole, a nice number four, put Berrios at number five in the slot. Jared Davis is an interesting one. He's going to play Sam, it looks like, with Mosley at Mike. And the will is pretty much open right now. Cashman is the de facto will. But they're going to need bodies. Dan Feeney at guard, depth interior lineman. The Marcus Joyner, who's going to battle Ashton Davis for the opposite starting safety job, uh, opposite May. Now, they'll use a lot of big dime, big nickel, where all three can play, but that'll be interesting to see who starts, Joyner or Davis. Got to give the nod to Joyner right now. You would think they don't want him playing... Slot corner like he did last year, past two years, and really struggled. But that's a nice trio at safety. Then you got Tyler Croft, ex-Buffalo Bill, uh, Tevin Coleman, running back. He's the third of a nice trio with Ty Johnson, P. Ryan, and Coleman. Will they get another running back uh, in the draft? Remains to be seen. They don't have to. It would be nice, but they don't have to now with Coleman. And then Del Delshawn Phillips, Um, and they also signed. uh, uh, Is it yeah? It's Levin or I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. It's not Levine, so it's probably Levin, Uh, backup center, former Titan. I believe it's a nice depth signing. Jets made a lot of the free agents available. Uh, Corey Davis. You know, we knew everyone was going to hop on it when Corey Davis said he came here expecting Sam Darnold to be the quarterback next year. What else is he supposed to say? What else is Douglas, the PR team, and the organization supposed to tell him to say? It's the right move. It's what you say. And he probably didn't know what was to come. But what was to come was Sam Darnold going to the Panthers for a 6th round pick this year and a second and fourth next year. And Joe Douglas, what he did with Jamal Adams, and what he did here, Jamal Adams was even more of a return than this. But even this, when you look at what Arizona got for Rosen, Rosen wasn't given much of a chance to show anything. He didn't play that first full rookie season. Just spots here and there. Nobody yet fully knew what Rosen could do. Darnold, he's played three seasons. He threw nine touchdowns to 11 picks in 12 games last year, and Douglas got three picks out of it. A second rounder, that's a huge pick. And if Carolina finishes, you know, in the bottom third of the league, that's going to be a great second round pick next year. So you got to love the assets he's built up. Douglas always likes to play coy. You know, not telegraph his next move, not let anyone know what he's going to do. And that's what he was doing leading up to the Darnold move. No one knew. A lot of people even thought he was going to stick with Darnold. You know, starting at the offseason, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported Darnold, the Jets are leaning towards keeping Darnold. And how anyone could make that announcement via source at that moment in time when the Jets haven't been able to evaluate quarterbacks I mean, it's crazy. I understand why he makes the announcement. It's going to get a lot of attention. It's good for ESPN in terms of traffic, but the timing of the whole thing—it just—it just—it held no water. And now we see now we see why because Zach Wilson is their guy. You see the final ten fifteen percent of Jets fans on Twitter on social media holding out hope for Justin Fields, and I like Justin Fields. As a prospect, I do, but the problem here with Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson, and even throw Lawrence into the discussion, throw Lawrence into the Fields column, the problem with these two guys are the unknowns. What we've seen from Zach Wilson in college, especially last year, translates to the NFL and talent talent evaluators can see that it translates, that it will translate much more than what Fields and Lawrence did. RPO systems, excellent talent by their side. First read, running open all day. It's not like we don't think Lawrence and Fields can't progress, can't move on to number two, number three. They probably can. They very well probably can. It's just a matter of it's an unknown. They've never had to do it before, so you don't know how that's going to translate. I think that's the big key with Lawrence versus Fields. The other big key, excuse me, Wilson versus Fields. The other big key is Wilson's anticipation and release. Even you even start at pro day. Pro day means very little, but the way these guys construct and and set up their pro days means something. Fields and Wilson had tough pro days. Lawrence did not. He had it early before he had surgery but it's not even just the construction it's about how you make your throws are you making regular, regularly timed throws or are you playing it safe lots of times with Lawrence and Fields they played it safe they waited for the route um you know to turn they waited for the receiver's head to turn they threw it a tick late instead of throwing it early which which um, increases risk, but is the right throw in the NFL, especially in the NFL. Wilson's was more pro-like. It was more on time. The, The variety of velocities he showcased too. And the variety of arm angles. His release is ultra fast. Lawrence, I've said it on the podcast before and I've written it. He scares me at the NFL level. It was blasphemous to say this prior to a month ago, but he scares me. He's got a long release, and he played in a college system with a lot of talent. Would I still pick Lawrence over Wilson? Number one overall? Probably, but it's a tough call. And Wilson Wilson is just more pro-ready. He is. You could see it. And the other thing is impact. Lawrence and Fields came to situations where Clemson, and Ohio State were loaded. They already had great records. The, you know, Deshaun Watson won a national championship two years before Lawrence's arrival or one year. I forget the timeline there, but with or without Lawrence and Fields, those programs are great no matter what. Wilson comes, takes a four-win team, turns it into seven and six, another seven and six injury-riddled year. He played through the pain and then was tremendous last year. Cupcake schedule, no doubt, but it's not as if the schedule last year was that much softer than the two years prior. It was a little softer, but they still played two-ranked teams, where in the years prior, they either played two, three, or four-ranked teams. So the impact Wilson made as opposed to the other two guys, it's huge. And is Zach Wilson a one-year wonder? That's the question. I think the bigger question is, you don't want the one-year wonder who just played one year. Like Sanchez, uh, he only played a handful of games. It's not like he played three seasons and then broke out one year. Like Wilson did. Two seasons who broke out one year. Sanchez, his experience level was very low. Wilson's isn't as low. You want to see the quarterback progress in college. That's the ultimate goal. You want to see him progress. That's a great sign. So to call it just a one-year wonder is tough. I understand where it's coming from. He wasn't nearly as good the first two years as opposed to last year. But the key with that, washing away those concerns, which are valid, is that he progressed, he improved over his collegiate career. Uh, Bottom line is, and the most important thing I think with Wilson is his anticipation and reading of leverage, defensive leverage. He anticipates routes better than any quarterback in the draft, by far. And JEDEX is going to have a lot of quarterback film to come, a lot of Zach Wilson stuff to come, Justin Fields as well. I will as well. Soon. But it's his anticipation that sets him apart. He anticipates and can throw with much less velocity on the ball when anticipating. Yeah, the moving to the left, throwing to his right, all that stuff, the arm angles, uh, the off-platform, off-schedule, out-of-structure stuff is great. It's what you want in the NFL. But it's not the most important thing. I think it's What's between the ears, the anticipation, the feel of the throw, because not every throw needs to come out with the same velocity. How quickly you can get the throw off. Wilson is just dynamite in all those areas, and that's really the key. In terms of whether it was a, the right decision for the Jets, I mean, listen. Listen. Do I think Darnold's going to have success in Carolina? Do I think he could put up good seasons? 100%. And Douglas told the world, told the media, it wasn't an easy decision for him. And in fact, if they weren't picking two, they wouldn't be in this situation. They would have kept Darnold. If it was three, who knows? If If they're picking 10, yeah, they're keeping Darnold most likely, is what Douglas said. Whether he was putting on a poker face or not, I don't know. I tend to lean that he wasn't. I think he still sees something in Darnold. And I'm not on that boat completely, but I see where he could have success in the NFL. He could have good seasons. The problem is I think his good seasons will come in the Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff ilk, where it's system-dependent, personnel-dependent. So he could have good seasons, he could have bad seasons. Zach Wilson, who knows? Maybe he's the same. Maybe he's worse. But Joe Douglas's ultimate goal here is to find a special quarterback. A special quarterback. Not a quarterback who could ebb and flow with the situation, which Darnold clearly has. And I know what fans are going to say, oh, how could you expect any quarterback to succeed under the gay system with that personnel and that situation? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about him succeeding. I'm talking about him showing us, showing us that he is special, that there are no question marks. And even if he has no talent around him, there is opportunity to show the world that you are special. If Patrick Mahomes is playing for the Jets this past season, is he throwing nine touchdowns, 11 picks in 12 games? I hardly doubt it. I still think he finds a way to get over 20 touchdowns, probably over 25. That's the issue. So, Douglas, he makes his move. It's going to be a huge legacy-defining situation. I'd argue... That it's not as legacy-defining as everyone is making it out to be. You know, Darnold could be average. Wilson could be average in year one. But as so long as Darnold builds the rest of the team properly, they can still do damage. You know, we've seen average quarterbacks get deep into playoffs in this new CBA modern era, post-2011. Post-2010, I should say. 2011 and on. So this... Decision is not 100% legacy-defining. It's, it's a huge part of it. But it's not everything. In the end, I think he made the right decision. It's tough. It's tough as a Jets fan to give up, to wave the white towel, to throw in the towel. Darnold represented hope. When the Browns passed on him and chose Baker Mayfield, it was a sign from God In the eyes of many fans, that finally the football gods were smiling down upon them. That finally there's an organization more inept than my organization, the Cleveland Browns. What boneheads, what a terrible decision to let this generational talent go and draft Mayfield. We'll gladly and graciously accept it. McCagnan's a genius for trading away three. three second round picks and moving up three spots and away we go. We finally got that guy to give up on that idea is tough. And a lot of jets fans, I'd say 25% of them two out of 10, maybe three out of 10 are having a hard time with that because I don't understand the theory that is keeping Darnold drafting Sewell. At two, that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm am as big a fan as building the offensive line as anybody. You won't find a more a bigger fan. I was calling for drafting a first round lineman for a decade. You know, not drafting a first round lineman since 2006 is a football sin beyond words. But you don't do it in every situation. You got to map it out. The Darnold, the keep Darnold trade down scenario was much more feasible. The problem is Darnold on a one-year audition is not good. When you're ready to dish out a second-year contract to a quarterback, you have to absolutely know for certain if he is the guy or not. It's not the rookie deal that gets these guys fired anymore. It's the second deal. It used to be the rookie deal prior to Sam Bradford, prior to 2011, not anymore. So Darnold, would you have advocated the Darnold backers who I'm talking to? Would you have advocated for the Jets to, to pick up the fifth year option at 18 million? I don't know how you can right now. If he doesn't live up to that slice of the cap, the percentage of the cap, you are behind the eight ball. Douglas's mission is not only to find a special quarterback, but it's to maximize the ceiling for this Jets organization in 2021 and beyond. And the other thing is, the argument goes, keep Darnold, draft Sewell, or trade down, collect those extra assets, which is definitely a good argument. And if it doesn't work out, get a quarterback next year. Where? Where? To act like it is just easy, that there's a magic wand to just find a quarterback next year. Whether it's picking in the top five or top ten, and the Jets are going to be horrible again. To act like that is just to not all be there. I, I don't understand. It's not easy to find a quarterback. It's not you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, we won't, we'll pass this year, we'll get one next year. Can't do that. If you think Wilson is that special, that can't be your attitude. And the other thing is, you think it's easy to trade down from two? It is not easy. Even in this rich quarterback class with Wilson, it's not easy. Would it be a lot easier this year with Wilson and the hype surrounding him? Yeah, for sure. But to find the right trade partner, is not easy. So those two things, assuming that those things are easy, is not good. On the other hand, keeping Wilson, Darnold trade down, gets you those extra assets. But you already have extra assets. You already have two firsts, two, uh, two firsts this year, two firsts next year. You know, a lot of seconds, thirds and fourths is more good. Sure but you also have to map out the next five years financially. These guys that you're drafting are going to become studs. You can't pay them all. I know that's something you worry about later as you want to build the team, but that has to be at least a consideration. Secondly, the quarterback, the good quarterback on a rookie contract is a cheat code. Of the last 20 Super Bowls, Of those teams, of the last 20 Super Bowl teams, eight of those teams entered the Super Bowl with a quarterback on the rookie deal. The other names are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Matt Ryan. Patrick Mahomes did it once on the rookie deal and then did it again last year on the second deal. Ryan and Garoppolo, yeah, they're not, they don't belong in in the same class as Brady, Mahomes, Manning and Manning. But those two guys aside, what does this pattern tell you? It tells you to get to the Super Bowl, you either do it with a quarterback on a rookie deal, or you need a legend. Garoppolo and Ryan, those instances, 2 out of 20, what is that, 10%? Not good at math, but that's not the odds are not in your favor. Uh, some of the quarterbacks that got Drew Bowl on a rookie deal: Russell Wilson twice, Colin Kaepernick, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes. And if you're looking at the screen, look at look at these teams. The best teams, the best consistently winning teams, you know, two, three, four, five year stretch over the last decade, were all born. From guys on a rookie contract. Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks, Niners, Kaepernick, Ravens, Flacco, Panthers, Newton. And Panthers is debatable. They were only good for, I'd say, two years. Colts with Luck. Eagles with Wentz. Again, it wasn't a long-term thing with the Eagles, but two years, they are pretty damn good. Rams with Goff, and they're still living out that, you know, that current window. Now with Stafford, but the talent is there around it, around him. Chiefs with Mahomes, Ravens with Jackson, Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, who are the other teams? Rodgers with the Packers? Okay. Pats with Brady? For sure. I mean, those are legends. What you don't want is to get stuck in between, like the Phillip Riverses of the world with the Chargers, the Staffords of the world with the Lions, Carr, Raiders, Cousins, Washington and now Minnesota, Dak Prescott. Well, Cousins was on his rookie deal with Washington and then it got tagged. And now the Vikings, which everyone knows has no shot to win, a, to win a championship. Prescott with the Cowboys. Dalton, Jay Cutler. You don't want to get stuck in between. And the odds that you get stuck in between with Darnold are far heavier than Zach, Darnold, because, uh, than Zach Wilson because he's entering his fourth year and it's pretty much decision time already for Darnold. You know, the Panthers could pick up the fifth-year option. Much easier. They just acquired the guy. Jets, not so much. And with Zach Wilson, you restart the clock. That's the other thing that's important. Not just financially, which is crucial, but with matching the new coaching staff. And if Darnold has a poor week one How hot Joe Douglas's chair would get would get much hotter than if it was Zach Wilson having a poor week one. Douglas did not make this decision for himself, but matching up the quarterback in year one with the coaching staff is pretty pivotal. And so is the future of the organization, building the rest of the team around the quarterback with more money, with more flexibility to re-sign your own drafted guys. Again, very important. So in the end, I think they definitely made the right decision. I wrote it in early February that they would make this decision. It was just obvious. February 12th, it was just obvious, like I said. I mean, why Zach Wilson would be the Jets quarterback in 2021? And all the reasons I just laid out, detailed, it's all there. It's all why Douglas made the decision. You got to understand who Joe Douglas is. He was there. In 2012 with the Ravens, when they got to the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco on the rookie deal. 50-year option, but still, they built that team while he was on the rookie deal. He learned from Ozzie Newsom, value-driven general manager. He was also there in 2017 with the Eagles, with Wentz, how they built that team. While Wentz was on his rookie deal, and Foles came in heroically to save him. So, it's... And when I wrote this article, Deshaun Watson was still in play. That's the other thing, Deshaun Watson. You know, who knows where the truth lies? If he's guilty, if he's innocent, doesn't look good. But I don't like to talk about it or get into guilt or innocence. It's not my place. It's not anyone's place, really. Got to go through the courts. And this is why you should neither believe nor not believe anything. Because no one has any clue. We weren't there. We didn't live in these situations. We weren't a witness to these situations. We don't know. But could you imagine if the Jets traded for Watson? And then this news came out afterwards? Oh my. It would be the apocalypse. It would be same old Jets. It would go from 100 in terms of enthusiasm down to zero Within a snap of a finger, it would be just ridiculous. For once, it broke the Jets' way. I never thought they would trade for Watson. Doug- Douglas isn't about to give up that many assets for him. I think they he only would have acquired him if it cost at max three first round picks, perhaps for a bargain. But other than that, no chance. No chance. And I was never on the train that said, do whatever it takes to get him. Because no one person in the NFL is worth do whatever it takes. It's not the NBA. You know, you do whatever it takes to get LeBron James. That's for certain. Not in football. you got to build a team. Finally, we'll touch on what the Jets depth chart will look like after a seven round mock. You know, everyone's seen a bunch of mocks. Everyone's seen what the depth chart currently looks like. A lot of it's negative, you know, terrible roster, three and 13, no talent, blah, blah, blah. But you put this draft in there and this specific mock and suddenly the draft or the depth chart, excuse me, is looking a lot better. If you're looking at the screen on YouTube, check it out. At safety, it's pretty straightforward. They didn't draft anyone at safety. At linebacker, Chaz Surratt from North Carolina. And Hilliard from Ohio State. First, let's go through the mock draft. Make it easier. Zach Wilson at two. At number 23, this is the interesting one for the Jets. Gets the party started that night. Greg Newsome. From Northwestern, J.C. Horn won't drop. Jets need interior offensive line help. They need cornerback help. they need linebacker help. They could use a running back. they could use a receiver as well. Greg Newsom is the most likely candidate here. They need a cornerback badly, and he's going around pick number 23. I've seen him go as high as in the mid-teens, you know, maybe I'd say his average is around 18, 19. But in terms of across all projections, all mock drafts, he's in the early 20s, right where the Jets are picking. He's long. I think he's six one. perfect for Salah's defense, uh, perfect in the cover four, in the cover three, perfect. Quarters, you want those long arms. You want those taller guys who, who are physical, who are aggressive, who could go up and get the ball at the high point. That's Greg Newsom. And why you go cornerback at 23 instead of interior offensive line is because offensive line is deep. You can get an IOL at 34 in Wyatt Davis. The other two guys, Humphrey, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name. What's the other guy's name? Uh, Humphrey and Creed Humphrey and Lander Dickerson. They're more gap guys. Uh, Dickerson's a lot bigger. He's like 325 Humphrey's just a tad bigger than Wyatt Davis Uh, they fit man gap principles more than Davis does Davis isn't a seamless fit into the zone scheme but he's a lot better than those two guys and also Humphrey and Dickerson are going ahead of Davis now so Davis at 34 seems like a sure bet and that's why you go corner that's why you go Newsom at 23 At number 66, first third round pick, Carlos Basham Jr. from Wake Forest. He's a bigger edge, 280, what Salah likes. Chaz Surratt, the second third round pick. I like this kid. He's a light linebacker. He's about 225, but he used to be a quarterback. He's very smart. And having Jared Davis at Sam, Mosley at Mike, Surratt fits the will very nicely. Number four, round four, number 108, Hunter Long, Boston College. He's not great at one thing. He's just very good at everything. He can block. He can catch it. He can run routes. He's not overly athletic. But in LaFleur's offense and 12 personnel, you want your second tight end to be able to block. You want your first tight end to be able to block, obviously. But it's better when your second tight end is a really good blocker. And from by all accounts, from all accounts, Long is a good blocker. Daz Newsome First fifth round pick, number 147 from North Carolina. This guy is that jet motion guy that I wanted Samuel to be on the Jets. Newsome is, he's got hips, he's shifty, he's quick. He could punt return right off the bat. That fills a need for the Jets. I don't know who their punt returners are right now, honestly. I guess Berrios still. Uh, and Berrios is the de facto jet motion guy, gadget guy, if you will. Uh, Daz Newsom in my mind, would replace Barrios immediately. I like this kid a lot. The next fifth-round pick, Ambry Thomas out of Michigan, another taller cornerback. I think he's I think he's six foot, but he fits that mold that Salah likes. Uh, first six-round pick, Adrian Ealy out of Oklahoma, a big-time developmental tackle. He is not ready. If Douglas could find another tackle who fits the zone scheme a lot better, the wide zone scheme a lot better, who's athletic, go for it. But I don't think tackle's as much of a need as people think, because Becton, you know, he's the left, left side anchor. And Fant, Fant is athletic. And I know Gase ran zone scheme, the zone scheme, and he, he ran some outside zone, but Gase preferred inside zone. He preferred in between the tackles. He preferred uh, tight, Inside, mid, especially with a split, that flash action from the tight end. That doesn't suit Fant as much as the wide zone would. Fant is athletic as hell. So expect Fant to improve in terms of the PFF rankings and all that good stuff for next year. I think what the floor does fits Fant a lot better. And then finally, at number 227, Justin Hilliard, uh, out of Ohio State, just linebacker depth, a guy who could play special teams right off the bat. When looking at the depth chart, it looks a lot better. You got your offensive line, Beckton, Lewis, McGovern, Wyatt, Davis, and Fant. Backing them up, Adoga, Clark, Murray, Levin, Van, Roten, Feeney, McDermott, and Ealy. Tight end, Herndon, Croft, Hunter Long, Ryan Griffin, and Connor Davis. You see two C. Davises here on the screen. It's Connor Davis and Corey Davis. And of course, don't forget about Wesco, who is the fullback H-back right now. Who's going to be the other guy to challenge Wesco in this spot? I don't know yet, but I expect someone to emerge of this tight end group. If not, it's, you know, if not someone off the street. Running back, Ty Johnson, Michael Pirine, Tevin Coleman, Josh Adams, Pete Guerrero. Yeah, a lot of people could be mad right now. Why didn't you take a running back in the mock draft? I looked to, I wanted to, I wanted Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. um, Even looked at the Carter kid from North Carolina, who I like a lot, but it didn't make as much sense as going this route. They don't need a running back. Just drafted one with P. Ryan last year. P. Ryan could get the job done. Ty Johnson really looked good last year and limited work. He's really fast. And then Tevin Coleman, that signing, it fits LaFleur. He knows this offense like the back of his hand. So that trio is good enough with Josh Adams as a fourth receiver Mims and Corey Davis outside Crowder in the middle backup slots are Berrios and Dax Newsom, the rookie. And that's a pretty, I like that trio out of the slot Crowder, Berrios and Newsom. backup X's and Y or X's and Z's outside or Keelan Cole, Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, Lawrence Cager, Josh Malone, Jaleel Scott, DJ Montgomery. Josh Doxon and Manasai Bailey. Special teams, Ficken, McLaughlin, Man, Hennessy, pretty straightforward. No drafting of a kicker in this mock draft. Whether or not Douglas pulls that trigger remains to be seen. Safety, May, Ashton Davis, Joiner. big nickel, big dime, all three could play. Uh, in terms of two, Joiner and Ashton Davis are going to have to battle it out. And, it's a good thing for Ashton Davis that Salah and Olbrich are coming over because their defense isn't as rigid with the safeties. It's not free, strong safety like Greg Williams was. Greg Williams had a free safety. We'll call him an angel safety because he played in another zip code on most downs. Well, the strong safety, Jamal, was like a linebacker. Those roles were clearly defined in Salah and Olbrich's defense. It, the, those roles aren't clearly defined. They rotate. Uh, They play a lot of two deep coverage quarters, like I said before, cover three, um, which obviously one guy will be in the box or one guy will drop down while may takes a middle third, but they'll rotate. They ask both safeties to do a variety of things. They want both safeties to be able to play in the box, play deep, do pretty much everything. So that's good news for Ashton Davis, because I don't want Ashton Davis in a strong safety only role. I want him in more of a a May-type role where he could do a little bit of both. And Davis and May, together as a combo, do a little bit of both. They're just safeties, not free or not strong. And that's what I expect to see in 2021 and going on. Uh, Linebacker, you got Jared Davis at Sam, Mosley at Mike, who, you know, two years off football, you gotta be worried. One year off, I wouldn't rely on a guy. And then rookie Chaz Surratt, surat at will small guy ex-quarterback very smart very fast very quick he could fit this will perfectly this a guy this small like a darren lee you don't want in a 3-4 and that was the problem with drafting darren lee inside linebacker at that size not a good idea 4-3 little more room little more freedom and Especially in this defense, you want linebackers who are fast and who could cover. Who are smart, hit on a swivel, cover. Surratt is that. I really like Surratt. Uh, what round did I get him? Number eighty-seven, second, third round pick. I love that pick. I hope they land him. I hope Douglas is thinking the same thing I am. Backups. Cashman. Who will battle Surratt at will. Delshawn Phillips. Hilliard, the other rookie. And Noah Dawkins. Corner. Greg Newsom starts right away. Opposite Bryce Hall. Guidry in the slot. Who could push Guidry to start in the slot? Maybe Douglas drafts a guy. That's the other position slot corner that Douglas is going to have to look to draft. I did not get it done in the mock, unfortunately. The second corner I drafted was Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. He's an outside corner. He's long as well. Uh, Bless Austin, Lamar Jackson, Kyron Brown, Corey Ballantine, Justin Hardy, who won't play any defense, most likely, and Zane Lewis. Front four. This is the team that excites, or this is the position that excites me most. Carl Lawson, Fatukasi, Quinnen Williams, and Franklin Myers as the starters in the base. When they go to sub package, Fatukasi can come out, Rankins can come in two, three techniques, Rankins and Quinton Williams in the middle. And they could even get crazier by putting rookie Basham or Curry in for Franklin Myers on the edge, kicking Franklin Myers to the inside with and Williams. So there's a lot of things they could do here. A lot of versatility Uh, backups on the outside, Vinnie Curry. And that's another guy plug and play in sub packages, Vinnie Curry, Bryce Huff, Sharif Finch, John Daka. Basham, the rookie, Kyle Phillips, and Zuniga. And Kyle Phillips is the other tweener, like Franklin Myers. He could play both inside and outside. Interior, defensive line backups, Nathan Shepard, Sheldon Rankins, and Tanzel Smart. And that's pretty much it for the depth chart seven-round mock. As you could see, the depth chart looks a lot better. I mean, this looks like a team. This looks like a team you want heading into... Year two of your rebuild is what I'll call it with Joe Douglas. He's only had one draft, one off season. This will be the second. You know, he got that head start on uh, head start before year one when he came during the summer after McCagnan got stunningly fired, and you know, got the troops ready, got the scouting ready, got everything developmental ready. But this is really just year two, uh, quarterback. Zach Wilson, Mike White, James Morgan. Brian Hoyer was in to visit earlier this week. They I'd be shocked if they don't sign a veteran quarterback unless they like Mike White that much. But considering Hoyer was in for a visit, it it's bound to happen. So expect Zach Wilson, veteran quarterback, Mike White, then James Morgan. James Morgan is still in the developmental phase. Um and on the step chart the guys in that developmental phase. See, there's no G league in the NFL. There's no Hartford Wolfpack, Pack, uh, like the Rangers have in the NFL. There's no minor leagues. So a small percentage of the depth chart belongs in the developmental column, such as James Morgan, Lee, the rookie who I drafted, Connor Davis, the, the uh, Uh, Which college did he go to? He went to a local college. Um, Montgomery, Zane Lewis. I think both were waiver claims last year. I know Zane Lewis was. Um, Who else belongs in that class? Campbell, Hassel, Hampton, uh, Bailey. Cameron Clark to a degree. He didn't get much playing time last year. He didn't get any playing time. Uh, he was on the field. He was on the practice field when he was healthy and he looked fine to me. So, why he didn't play, maybe it's a playbook thing. Maybe it's taking the next step thing. Maybe it was a coaching staff mishap. Who knows? Uh, but the developmental guys are pretty. You could spot them. You could spot them. But the depth chart as a whole. I like it. It looks good going into year two. Be on the lookout Wednesday for the live stream. Me, Nania, blewett on the Jets X Factor YouTube page. Uh, might be on Facebook, might be on Twitter, but YouTube is the place really where we check the live chat um, and there'll be a number for the live call Mix it up, call us up, mix it up with us. Maybe we'll go over some film with Zach Wilson. Plenty of that's coming. Uh, today, Yankees lost, I believe. I missed the game. I know the Mets lost. Jacob DeGrom, DeGrom, another gem pitched into the eighth inning, only gave up one run. And still, it's the same, same old beat for Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom. He pitches brilliantly to no-run support, and it's continuing this year. Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, Cohen, I missed all three of you guys. Good to have you back. Baseball, I hope baseball, I, we know they tweaked the balls, but I hope they really took the juice out because that's the first step in getting the game back to the right level. It'll hurt initially, but it's the best thing for the long run. This home run or strikeout approach is absolutely absurd. Uh, Rangers last night beat the Islanders, and I missed the game because I was coaching. Uh, Up in the box, we blew the opponent out. And I thought I recorded the game, did not, missed it completely. Couldn't catch Rangers Rewind, as it used to be called back in the old MSG days. And the Knicks, too, I missed the Knicks. You know, go figure. We have a game Friday night, and both the Rangers and Knicks play that night. And I heard Barrett was phenomenal against John Morant, who I really wanted in the draft. You know, he's a point guard. He's just, I thought the gap between Zion and Ja was much smaller than the gap between Ja and Barrett. But Barrett has been coming on. He has been tremendous. And I heard he was clutch last night. I still haven't seen the final minutes. I got to watch the final minutes tonight. Uh, but Barrett's been coming on. A few clutch moments earlier this year, over the past month or so, where Barrett did not come through. So I'm curious to see what he did last night. And uh away we go. Tomorrow. Rangers, Mets, Yankees during the day. Knicks are the Knicks playing tomorrow. It's either tomorrow or Monday. Um, but both teams are fighting for their playoff lives. Rangers are four or five points out of a playoff spot. Knicks in the playoffs, but they're I think they're right now into that seven and ten seed range where they're gonna have to play that opening. Preliminary round. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Plenty of stuff happening. JetX Factor, the offseason simulator, is updated. You could still sign free agents, you could still cut guys. The Darnold option is gone. You could still trade for Watson and Russell Wilson. And of course, you could still go to the mock draft, which is updated with trades. You could make trades to other teams. And check out the app too. JetX Mobile, Apple, Android. Good stuff happening everywhere. Only a few weeks now until the draft. It's coming. It's coming, and before you know it, it's going to be mini-camp time and off to training camp. Catch us Wednesday, live stream. Until next time.